Good morning. How's everybody doing today? Glad to be here. Uh, me too, me too. I'm very excited to be here this morning and, and glad to have the opportunity to speak to you guys. This is something that's kind of been, uh, for the last month, I've been kind of, you know, working towards this this morning. So if I, I might be a little hyper, so that's just fair warning. That can happen with me, you know that. So uh, we'll just, we'll, we'll get through it, okay? Um, real quick this morning, I wanted to kind of start off by doing something a little fun. Uh, I got a question for you guys, and it's not rhetorical. I'd actually like for you to answer me. Uh, I'd like for you guys to just tell me something that you know about Thomas and the Bible. Okay, good. Uh, it's a good start. What's the first thing you thought of? What? Oh, okay. Well, good. We'll just, we'll just take, go there first thing this morning. Tell me something else. Okay, uh, what? He, he was a disciple. Good. All right. All right. Well, we know a lot about Thomas this morning. That's great. Uh, now, uh, real quick, I, I'd like to just do this real quick, man. It's funny. It's funny. The consensus on Thomas is that he was a doubter. He, he, he doubted Christ's resurrection uh, is, is kind of the, seemed to be the consensus. In the first service, I've asked a lot of people over the last uh, few weeks. That seems to be what we know about him. I'd like to do one more real fun thing. I need somebody to volunteer who has a cell phone that's still on and has uh, Google as their search engine on there and doesn't mind reading a little bit of a sentence for me. Who would like to volunteer? You ready? You ready, Kim? All right. You mind taking her a mic right there? He's gonna bring you a mic. You gotta read out loud, yeah. Yeah, you volunteered already. All right. So she's on. She's on Google. I just want to make this point real quick. She's on Google, right? Okay. She's on Google, and uh, I need you to look up Thomas Bible. Okay. Well, you can just set it down. The mic. Somebody help her. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thomas Bible, that's all you got to do, and then just, and you'll notice, Google's got this thing they do now, I don't know if you've noticed on Google search engines, but when you look, uh, you look something up, a lot of times they're going to have a little, you know, information at the top that you don't even have to click on a link for, it's just going to tell you something, it's just general information. Uh, read till I tell you to stop. I can put it on voice also. On the, on the, uh, yeah, put it on voice, yes. Yeah, so. Just, just read the, uh, just read that bold print up at the top, at the very search engine, read that for me until I tell you to stop. He is informally called Doubting Thomas. Okay, that's good. Stop. All right. That's all we needed. You're like, wow, you really spent a lot of time, Tim, just to do that. But I, I just really, really, really wanted to make the point this morning that the consensus about Thomas is, is that he is called Doubting Thomas, that he was a doubter. I wanted to make sure that we got that. He didn't have the faith that Jesus had done what he said he would do. He, he failed to believe that Jesus had risen. If you Google Thomas, that's exactly what you'll see, just, and you can do that on your own time. Don't pull them phones out and start doing that now. But it will say informally known as Doubting Thomas. It's Thomas's unofficial title. It's his moniker, his uh, label, let's call it that. And until a few weeks ago, that was about all I knew about him too. And uh, if you're not familiar with this story in the Bible, I'd like to go there and I'd like to read this story together. And I want to kind of break it down why the consensus on Thomas is that he is, should be called Doubting Thomas. So if you'll turn in your Bibles with me to John chapter 20, we're going to start at verse 24. Okay? Everybody ready? All right, great. Verse 24, now Thomas, one of the, one of the twelve was not with the disciples when Jesus came. Now, let me set this up really quickly, okay? Jesus had been crucified. Jesus rose from the grave, and he went to go see his disciples. Now, when he got to where his disciples were, Thomas was not with them. So you got that, right? That's, what it just, that's, that's where we're at in this story. Verse 25, so the other disciples told him, 
we have seen the Lord, speaking of Thomas. So they, the other disciples went to Thomas and told him, we have seen the Lord. And I want you to think about how that, would, how that probably went about. You know, I mean, they, they went to Thomas and they said, man, you are not going to believe it. You are not going to believe it. We thought he was dead. He's not dead. He rose from the grave. We saw him with our own eyes. There he is. It's unbelievable. That's probably how they told the story, wouldn't you think? Okay, good. He does. But Thomas said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now I want to pause for a second, make sure we understand what Thomas essentially just said. Thomas said, I got to see it to believe it. Everybody agree with that? That sounds reasonable. Thomas knew the wounds that Jesus had received at crucifixion and he wanted to see the evidence for himself before he would trust or believe that Jesus had truly risen from the grave. Now, in the next verse, we fast forward seven days, okay? So here we go. Everybody ready? I like when you answer me. He's still ready. The rest of you, okay. Uh, verse 26, it says this. A week later, his disciples were in the house again. So the disciples are all get together. Thomas is there with them. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Pause. Did you get what just happened? There were some significant things that just happened. The disciples are hanging out in the house. And I just, I just want you to picture being in part of this room, okay? I mean, these guys are hanging out. Seven days ago, they realized that the man that was crucified on the cross, Jesus, he has risen from the grave. What do you think they're talking about? Over and over and over, these guys are going through this story. They're talking about it. Thomas is sitting there just taking it all in, still holding true to what he said. When I see it, I'll believe it. Now, the door was locked to the house. So Jesus, in a very Jesus-like fashion, just appeared in the room. And then the first words out of his mouth are, peace be with you, after I scared the bejeebies out of you. Okay, so you got I mean, think about this. A very Jesus-like entrance, isn't it? Just to be like, hello, I don't know. Right. He probably didn't do that, but, you know, he's way cooler than me. We can all accept that Jesus is cooler than Tim. Okay. It's <laughs> weird. Uh, peace be with you is actually, you know, a Jewish, a Jewish phrase. It's essentially like saying hello. And I want you to read in verse 27 what happened immediately after he said hello. In verse 27 it says, then he said to Thomas. So immediately he turns to Thomas. He says, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Now I want to make sure that you understand this. I mean, Jesus basically appears in the room, says hello, and the very first person he turns to is who? Jimmy, right. Oh, Thomas, yeah. He turns to Thomas, walks over to Thomas, and begins to show Thomas what Thomas had asked for. He said, put your finger here, you doubting fool. He didn't say that, did he? Okay, sorry. You faithless heathen. Feel my side, did he say that? No, he just showed it. Jesus turned to Thomas and offered to show Thomas what he had requested. Then Jesus offered a word to Thomas. Stop doubting and believe. I'm alive. I'm here. Thomas had the reaction that you would expect. In verse 28, we'll read that together. It says, Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God, which theologically is pretty cool. 
because, it, and I just want to make sure I kind of stop here to explain this, because I think it's, I think it's kind of important. Uh, but Thomas is not just recognizing him as being Jesus that he knew before the crucifixion. Okay, even though Jesus had talked to him a lot about who he was and what he was there for, I don't think Thomas really ever got it until this moment. Thomas is recognizing the divinity of Christ in this sentence. He's recognizing, let me make sure you understand, he's recognizing that the power and the authority of God is being transferred through Jesus, who is his son. So this wasn't like Thomas just, you know, came and, you know, met Jesus there, saw what he needed to see and went, Wow. You see what I'm saying? It's a lot bigger than that. He recognized for the first time who Jesus was. Now here's where the message is going to take an abrupt turn on you. And I apologize, but I have a tendency to do that. Typically the next verse, verse 29, would be our teaching verse. And uh, in verse 29 it talks about faith, right? And uh, Jesus essentially says that blessed are those who can, will believe without seeing. Okay? But I'm not interested in teaching you that this morning. Our focus is on defining, is not on defining faith this morning, or it's not about Thomas's lack thereof. Our focus this morning is on the moniker, the title, the label. See, a few weeks ago when I read this uh, for the first time in, in a long time, I could not get over the fact that for nearly 2,000 years, this poor guy has been labeled as a doubter. And we collectively in this room, I mean, that was the first thing we thought of, right? Raise your hand, first thing we thought of, if you knew anything about Thomas at all. It was tough for me to swallow that this guy had basically uh, been dwindled down to this one moment in his life, this one mistake, this one hesitation, this one misstep. If you mention Thomas from the Bible to pretty much anybody, the first thing that most people think of if they ever went to Sunday school, they ever did a study on faith, or they ever just read the Bible randomly, is that, oh yeah, he's the disciple that doubted. Old doubting Thomas. Would you guys like to know why it bugs me so bad? Anyone? He still does. Because recently when I read this story, I noted a huge disparity, discrepancy, um, inequality, deviation in the way people have labeled Thomas and how Jesus treated Thomas. They don't match up. We call him Doubting Thomas. That's what we know about him. But that's not how I, I don't feel it. That's how Jesus treated him. If I had them in hands, I just I couldn't make them, I couldn't make them even. It hit me a few weeks ago that this is what I needed to share with you. So this is your sermon in a sentence. This is your lesson. Are you ready? Jesus doesn't identify us by our failures. Did you hear me? Jesus doesn't identify us by our failures. This is what I'm saying essentially. Jesus doesn't do labels. That's the Tim way of saying it. I want you to look back at the story again with me. What was Jesus' response to Thomas doubting him? 
Did you see anger? I'm asking you. Did you see anger? No, I didn't either. Did you feel like at any point when you read that story that Jesus was berating Thomas? Anybody? I didn't feel that way either. Jesus merely looked at Thomas and offered Thomas exactly what he had asked for. Have you ever thought about that? Jesus didn't respond disappointingly. He didn't look at Thomas and say, oh, you of little faith, which, by the way, Jesus had done in other circumstances. He didn't vent frustration to Thomas. I want you to picture this. He walked up to his beloved disciple, his pupil, and he held out his hand. And he said, look, feel. And he turned around and he revealed his side. See? Put your hand here. It's real. I'm real. He showed Thomas exactly what he had asked for. And then, I want to make sure you get this, then he used it to teach Thomas something that Thomas needed to know, which was stop doubting and believe. And I want to make sure that I'm very clear here, okay? See, I'm not saying that Jesus didn't address how Thomas could have responded differently. I'm not saying that Jesus didn't address how that maybe Thomas's reaction could have been different to the news after all he had seen. I'm not saying that Jesus didn't address it. But, he, but his approach to Thomas was that of grace and of understanding. And it's important that you see that this morning. He wanted Thomas to see what he needed to see so that Thomas could grow from it and Thomas could go on from it. Are you hearing me this morning? Am I telling you like it is this morning? He needed Thomas to grow from it so that he could go on from it. And I want to tell you why. Because there was more life ahead for Thomas. There was a lot more work left for Thomas to accomplish. And Thomas needed to believe and move forward. And that's exactly the way Jesus approached him. And that was Jesus' goal with their communication. Jesus didn't give him the moniker. Jesus didn't give him the title of Doubting Thomas. Jesus didn't give him the label. Someone else did. We did. Jesus' approach to him was completely different than ours. I'll tell you this, and if you've been in church for any length of time, you have heard this, but this is just such a perfect example of it. I have to make sure that I say this. Jesus met Thomas right where he was. Do you see that in this story? Do you see that? Jesus met Thomas right where he was. He knew Thomas. He knew the kind of guy that Thomas was. He knew Thomas wanted evidence. He knew where Thomas was in his walk, in his faith. He knew exactly all of those details about Thomas. So he met him where he was and showed him what he needed to see. He knew Thomas' personality to the deepest level. And I may be just theorizing this, but I've read a good deal about Thomas over the last month. I think Thomas was a highly analytical guy, kind of a laws of nature kind of guy from everything I've read about him. I think he was engineerish. Yeah, I just made some engineers cringe. It's okay. I can make up words. I've seen me do it. He knew, he knew how Thomas's mind worked. So he met Thomas right where he was. I'll tell you what else I believe he knew about Thomas. He knew that Thomas was honest. 
He knew that Thomas was sincere. When most people wouldn't dare say what they were thinking, he knew that Thomas was the kind of guy who would. And he knew that from experience with Thomas. In John chapter uh, 14, there's actually a little story there where Jesus is talking about uh, the fact that um, he's going to prepare a place for them. Talk, speaking of heaven, he's going to prepare a place for the disciples. And who do you think spoke up? Jimmy, that's right. Thomas spoke up. Thomas spoke up. He said, hey man, we, uh, real quick, Jesus, that's cool that you're going to prepare a place. But, but we don't know where it is and we don't know how to get there. You can go read that for yourself. He knew that was the kind of guy Thomas was. Thomas wanted details, man. He wanted to know so that he could go. That's the kind of guy that Thomas was. Jesus recognized all that Thomas was, the kind of person he was. He knew who Thomas was better than you know your own children, better than you know your spouses, better than you know the people that you are closest to on this planet. Jesus knew Thomas better than that. And I guarantee you, if you ask Jesus today to tell you something about Thomas, I highly, highly doubt that he's going to call him Doubting Thomas. You like how I did that? Highly doubt he's going to call him? I worked hard on that. He would not dwindle Thomas down to this one mistake. He would not dwindle Thomas down to this one hesitation, this blip in his life, this lack of faith. He would not make that who Thomas was. And that's not what he would tell you about him. Would you like to know what I believe he would tell you about Thomas? Thank you. And you, man. This is what I believe Jesus would tell you about Thomas. I believe Jesus would start off like this. I believe Jesus would say he was my disciple. He left everything. To go with me. Left it all. Man, and for three years, me and Thomas, man, we traveled. We ministered to people, and he was right there beside me every step of the way. We were together. We, we lived together. And man, you wouldn't believe some of the situations we got ourselves into. This is what Jesus would say about Thomas. You wouldn't believe some of the situations we got into. Man, it got hairy a time or two, I'm telling you. Man, we saw incredible things happen together. We saw people's lives changed when we were together. That's what Thomas, that's what Jesus would say about Thomas. He probably, Jesus would probably tell you the story that you can read about in John chapter 11. Uh, Lazarus, this is a story where Lazarus had died. And, uh, and uh, Jesus needs to, wants to go back to Judea so that he can raise Lazarus from the dead. So he's telling his disciples they're going to go, and all of a sudden, all the disciples started arguing with him. All of a sudden, all of the disciples started arguing because the last time they were there, the, the Jewish opposition was really plotting, scheming to stone Jesus. They were going to try to kill him. So the disciples are talking, you know, Land, let's not go, let's not do this, you know, it's really dangerous back there, I don't know that we should go back. And who do you think spoke up? Thank you for saying Thomas so I didn't have to say Jimmy. Thomas spoke up. And I want to tell you what, and I, I believe Jesus would tell it like this, man, you will not believe it. They, were want, they weren't wanting to go, they didn't trust me, they didn't want to go, but who, you know who spoke up? Thomas spoke up, and you know what he said? He said, let's all go so that we can die with him. Talking about me. That's what Jesus would tell you about Thomas. Jesus would probably tell you that Thomas was his missionary. He'd probably say it something like this, you know, after the world dubbed Thomas, doubting Thomas, 
he left and went east. Traveled through what today is Syria and Iran, all the way to India, sharing the good news. Man, Thomas, he was a driving force to take the message of the gospel to literally the ends of the earth. That's what Jesus would tell you about Thomas. He traveled farther than any other disciple that's recorded. 3,000 miles. That's where Thomas. Through some of the most challenging terrain and some of the most difficult people in the world telling them about me. That's who Thomas was. Jesus would probably tell you that the Christian church that still resides today in India can trace its roots back to the personal mission of Thomas. I'll tell you something else Jesus, I believe, would say about Thomas. Would you like to know? I believe he would say, and he was my friend. One of my best friends when I was on earth. One of my closest friends. And on the day that they stabbed him to death with spears, he was still proclaiming my name. that day how much he loved me because no man has a love greater than this that he would lay down his life for his friends that's what Jesus would say about Thomas Jesus doesn't identify us by our failures Jesus doesn't do labels He's not interested in dwindling us down to one moment in our life. And would you like to know why it's so important for us this morning? Would you like to know? About a month ago, I was, uh, me and my wife had a date night planned. So we went out and had, got rid of Andy. And uh, this was like the sixth time since the day she was born, Okay. So romance, you know, it was a romantic night. Romance was brewing. There we were at Applebee's. <laughs> First service got low standards. They didn't even, they didn't even laugh at that. <laughs> so there we were at Applebee's, and we're sitting there, man. And uh, uh, as soon as we go in, you know, I, I noticed a guy over there that I know and that Brittany knows and, and uh, hadn't seen him in a really long time. And we sat down, and we're sitting there talking, eating, you know, got my boneless buffalo wings. It's probably like all over here, so you can imagine the romance there. And, uh, and uh, so we're sitting there eating, and, and uh, after just a little bit of sitting there, he sees us. And so he comes over, and like as soon as I see him walking over, I just started getting sick. I mean, just sick to my stomach. And he got over, and he, he started talking. And he, he, was, he was very friendly. I mean, he was talking to me and asking me stuff and about how I was doing and what I was doing now, and da-da-da-da-da, and... He's talking to Brittany. He loves Brittany. And they were talking and laughing. And the whole time, I was just dying. That's the best word I know how to describe what was happening to me at that moment. I was dying. And so we're sitting there talking. And, and he is, and he's just, you know, he's being so kind and so friendly and everything. And I'm just begging for him to leave. Because I feel like I'm about to pop. So he's sitting there talking. He turns around. And, you know, says bye and everything. Smiles and says bye and walks off. And as soon as he starts to walk off, I just right there in the Applebee's in front of God and everybody just start crying like a baby. I mean, just weeping. 
embarrassingly weeping. And I was just, I mean, I couldn't help it. I was trying to stop, and Brittany's begging me to stop, and I can't stop. I'm just crying. (laughs) And she realizes after just a second, she knows. I mean, my wife knows me very well, and so she knew what it was. And she just leaned in over the table, and she said, Tim, at some point, you got to let that go. Because she knew that the whole time, that every smile he gave and every Every as, as nice as he was, the only thing I could think about was how I treated him when I was 17 years old. And the kind of person I was when I was 18 years old. That's it. I couldn't get over it. Now, Brittany assured me, Brittany assured me, she said, man, you know, don't, you weren't that bad. You were just normal. But that night, Looking him in the eye, I felt pretty bad. I felt pretty terrible. And man, if you and you and a lot of y'all, I know you don't know me, but I'm a brooder, man. I get something on my mind and I brood, and I mean I'll think about it until it's it's done, until it's done, and I won't sleep until it's done. So that night was a rough night. Obviously, you know, date night was pretty much done, and uh, and I was just upset, man, that whole night, and I just. Uh, I just really struggled. Next morning, I get up, and I have breakfast with Sean Watkins once a week, and we just, we just are there to just mentor one another and just lean on one another in ministry and stuff, and we're talking. And, and just out of nowhere, he just, he just brings this up. One sentence, he said something like, you know, man, I've been, I've been really you know, studying on Thomas, and I just can't get over the fact that he's been labeled like that, and nobody knows who he really is except for Jesus. And it hit me, I mean, like a hammer. That that was for me. God was sharing it with me. I went home. I mean, I got to work, and I and I got out my Bible and I read the story and I read it over and over and over and over. I realized that that was something I needed to hear. People are all about labels. We're all about labels. We're all about attaching stuff to people. Can I be honest with you for a minute? We hand them out often. Left and right. We're handing them out. For someone's mistake or their sin, or, I mean, you name it, what they look like, what they wear, something that they did, something that they said, what do we do? Here's your label. We do. We hand them out left and right. But I want to tell you the other thing I believe we do with labels. We carry them. Most of us, whether we're willing to admit it, we are wearing a label that represents some mistake we made, some sin we committed, some wrong we did to someone else. And it might be that we attached it ourselves, it might be that someone else attached it to us years ago, and we just can't get away from it. some reason we're all about labels even though Jesus was not Jesus will not 
identify us by our failures. He will not, he will not look at us and, and, and make that who we are. He doesn't look at you. He doesn't look at you, and he doesn't look at you and see this thing sitting over your head. This prefacing your name. He doesn't have that in front of you. And I want to be honest with you. Most of us, man, we walk every single day just waiting for that next moment it gets brought up where we can feel that way again, where we can attach that label to our name again. And we carry it around with us, and the weight of it just sits here right on our chest. Whereas we wear it right over our hearts. Because that's what people do. We attach labels to stuff. We attach them to others. We attach them to ourselves. I want to ask you something this morning. Is this it? Is this your label? Is that it? Is that it? I want you to think about it as you do it. I'm telling you. Every single one of us, every day, this is what we do. Jesus did. You fill it in. You fill it in because I know that you have it. I know that you carry it around. You need to know something this morning. Jesus doesn't identify you by your failures. He doesn't look at you and see a label. Jesus wants to meet you right where you are. He will forgive whatever mistake you've made. And if you've already asked him, he's already forgiven it. See, we Christians, we have this tendency that we, we, we'll understand the fact that we're forgiven for something. We'll understand the fact that we have been forgiven for a mistake. But for some reason, it's like we just can't help it. We'll put it in our back pocket and we'll just tote it around. Even though he's already forgiven us for it. Even though he's already moved, you know, tried to encourage us to move past it. That's what we do. We'll carry it with us. He'll forgive it. And when he forgives it, it's supposed to be done. Now, I want to make sure I say this again. I am not saying that Jesus will not address your shortcomings. I am not saying that Jesus will not address your sin. But when he does address it, he's going to do it in such a way with grace and understanding because he has a goal. He wants you to grow from it, and he wants you to go on from it. Whatever it is, whatever mistake it was, whatever sin it was, if it was a, a, something you did to someone else, it doesn't matter. He wants to encourage you to move forward through them because you have a lot of life ahead of you. You have a lot of work left to do in front of you. And he needs you to do that. He needs you to go on. He doesn't need you pulling that label back out every once in a while and slapping it to your forehead and being like, this is who I am. No, it isn't. It's who you were. Because the moment you asked him to forgive you is the moment he took place of that. I 
I want to give you two things to do. Jesus needs you to do this for your sake and for the sake of others. He needs you to stop handing them out to people because that's not your job. And he needs you to stop carrying the ones that you're carrying because that's not your job. He needs you to drop them and he needs you to move forward. He needs you to follow him. You've probably never heard a preacher say this, but he needs you to be a little more like doubting Thomas. If you will, every head bowed, every eye closed, please. I want to do this this morning, man, and we got time, so. I just know this morning there's a lot of people here. Probably two scenarios. The first scenario is, is that you've been handing a lot of labels out, and you need to stop doing that. And you need Jesus to help you stop doing that. You need to start treating people a lot more like Jesus treats people. You need to start looking at people a lot more like Jesus looks at people. Second scenario is you're here this morning, man, and you've been toting some stuff. You've been carrying this around with you, this label, some mistake you've made, something you've done, and for some reason you just continuously bring it up. You just... Ever, ever so often that thing will rear its ugly head and I want to I invite you to do something this morning and, I, and I, I didn't know I was going to do this until first service and I want to do it in this service because I just know it's what God wants us to do and sometimes man just getting up is such a big deal um, and so rather than you just praying right there I want to invite you to do something if, you, if you're in one of those two places I just want to invite you this morning to come up here to this altar and just get on your knees and just pray and give that junk up. It's not yours to carry this morning. It's not yours to carry tomorrow. So if you will, man, it's, it's open right now. It's open. Come up here. Pray that junk out. That's not who you are anymore. That's not who Christ made you to be. He's not dwindling you down to this. this he's not whittling you down to this one night or this one mistake. This one decision. He's not interested in doing that. I'm telling you guys, altars up and come up right now. If you need to do it, I'm telling you, it's such a big deal. You I mean, you will not believe the weight that will come off of you if you come up here and you pick it up. I'd like to pray for you. Altars up. Some gear.
mistake we made or something that we did. We're carrying some sort of junk around in our life. Even though we know that you've forgiven us. Even though we know that you want us to move on from it, you want us to move past it. begin to, to come up or this old old feeling or this old thing comes up in our mind and just get rid of it and let it be all about you we need to be the label you need to be the label that we're wearing on our chest you need to be the label sitting on our hearts help us to look at others help us to love others the way you love us help us to see them through your eyes and not through our own broken avoid attaching things to people and just love them. Just be graceful to them. And help point them to you. Father, you're a great God and I thank you for, for what, you, what you've done in my life, what you've shared with me over the last month. And I just pray that you continue to help me just want to encourage you. I'm going to be up here for the next little bit following the service. If you need to talk, I'm here to talk. I'd love a chance to talk with you. I just want to encourage you, man. Let that stuff go. That's not who you are. Jesus is not interested in that being who you are. And uh, we hope you have a great Sunday. We hope you have a great week. And uh, we'll see you again real soon. Thanks for being here.